Oh, man. Okay, uh, <clears throat> let's get this going. Episode three of New Wave Gaming. Very excited to have all of you here. Thank you, listeners. And welcome. Oh, I, hold on. I already messed this up. Let's, from the top, the quip. Welcome, listeners, gamers, non-gamers, PvEers, PvPers, and even NPCs. We do not discriminate. Very excited to have you here. Tomahawk, always a pleasure, never a chore. <laughs> yeah, morning, Novox. Man, um, first things first, I think we should thank the listeners that are out there checking us out. Um, I'm not going to lie, I'm a little nervous. We're watching those numbers kind of slowly creep up, and it's really awesome to see that there's people clicking in and checking us out. Um, yeah. Yeah, the analytics kind of tell you, you know, when there's like someone new checking you out, and it's just like, oh, cool, man, I hope they enjoy what we're talking about. And uh, really pumped to get this third episode up, but I'm not going to lie, Tom Hawk, I'm a little nervous and shaky over here. What's going on? Yeah, those analytics, they do get to you. They're pretty pretty specific, aren't they? <laughs> oh, man, I, I got to admit, my, my phone looked at me, and a little thing popped up, and it said, you've been on here 25% more than you usually are, and I'm just like, fuck. Because I'm looking at those <laughs> analytics, man, hitting that refresh it's button. Like, I'm like, it's like we're pretty popular amongst Jewish cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> that must be your influence, man, up in Tennessee. The, yeah, the Bucky Goldstein. <laughs> I think. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of a lot of our numbers are coming out of Mexico, and I think that's uh, partially uh, on my end. I've been sharing it, and you know, I live down here, so. A lot of, yeah. a lot of uh, gamers mexicanos están escuchando. Gracias, por cierto. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that. Um, you know, we should probably include some some in Spanish type stuff. I, I think like folks would enjoy that probably, even even that don't speak Spanish. I know, like when I can find something that's in both languages, like and I like say if you did the the intro in Spanish as well, like like yeah. it helps me learn Spanish. You know, because I know it. You know, I've already heard it in English. So. Should I try that real quick? Yeah, let's lay it out there. <laughs> Hola, bienvenidos y muchísimas gracias. Les damos la bienvenida a nuestros listeners, gamers, no gamers, PVEers, PVPers, y también a los NPCs. Nosotros no discriminamos. Te queremos mucho y agradecemos tu, tu, este, tu participación en nuestro podcast. How did that go? I got a little nervous there, but it yeah. came out. Bienvenidos uh, uh, todo. <laughs> My broken Spanish, oh God. Oh man. Yeah. Um well, yeah, so this is the New Wave Gaming podcast. We're very stoked that you're here and listening. And if this is your first time popping in, thank you very much. Um in fact, if you know if if you dig the podcast or even if you don't, uh, whatever you listen to us on, you know, give us a a five star there if you like and uh, or leave us a, a review. It can even be a bad review, you know, where you totally chew us out. If you give us five stars or a top notch there, we'll uh, we'll shout you out on the podcast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No griefers though. I don't want any griefers in here like No, let them grief. Hey, as long as they're kicking down <laughs> the five stars, man, it helps us out a bunch. Um you yeah. know, I think it'll make those numbers grow a little bit and we we love to get the feedback honestly because uh, it'll only make things better. <laughs> yeah, you know we'll we'll yeah. pay attention. Yeah, I was kind of thinking as I was kind of researching this uh, survival game topic, uh, like like uh, I kept coming across like it, it seems like it does kind of attract griefers, uh, and, and you know that was kind of a term I didn't necessarily think of them as at first, but uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, but that's and that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode: survival games. Um, there's a little bit of history there, of course. We're we're not 
necessarily a history, a gaming history podcast. We just like to talk about, uh, you know, vintage retro gaming and, and platforms and games and stuff like that from before and, and kind of how everything evolved into what it is today and, uh, and how we, how it's evolved into the experiences and games that we enjoy so much, even the angers. And on that, would it be fair, Tomahawk, to do a little advisory here that we, we might we might get a little heated, especially when talking about uh, some survival games, a little advisory, we might get a... Oh, my Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, the, the struggle is real in ARC uh, the last couple of weeks, for sure. I uh, have lost everything twice in the span of about eight days, so... Yeah, yeah, Ark is a, one of our favorite survival <laughs> games. In fact, you know what I saw there is uh, uh, I, I looked into our chat, our group chat, and all of a sudden I see, signed in, we were getting raided, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Like, Mickey and I just had a discussion the other night about how I was going to do better in the next PvP session, and like, <sighs> I can't say that happened Like exactly. I, I was... <laughs> grossly outgunned but uh i um yeah yeah we can get into it a little later but yeah sounds fine it's 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 i'm excited super tough yeah yeah so um just uh we're gonna leave a timestamp in the notes of this episode if you want to skip forward to when we begin the topic discussion of survival games proper and and all that fun stuff but usually we like to start off with just some chit chat so um i guess we can keep it short and sexy though because most of our chit chats can probably going to be revolving around survival games anyway. Yeah. Before we get started, there's something I need to tell you. Oh boy. I think I'm going to have to take over this podcast. And this should answer any questions that you have. What are we looking at there? Can you see it? Let me Oh, hold on. Let me let me let me go full screen here. We're going to have to explain to the listeners. So listeners what um First and foremost, let, let, let it be on record, uh, Tomahawk and I are co-hosts. No one's really in charge here, but if he needs to take something over, I want to see what he's showing me here. <laughs> Hold on, how do I maximize this? Oh, what? How did you get that? <laughs> yeah, I have my channels. You know, oh, I, man, I, this is going to cause controversy. Took on a new job. and uh, So Tomahawk just showed yeah. me the Star Trek Section 31 Black Insignia. Now, I know that's going to cause controversy. We may even lose, lose some listeners because they're going to be like, what? Star Trek? Star Wars? Man, it's about Star Wars. You know? <laughs> but we're all Star Trek fans here. To... Yeah. Oh, man. We're all part of the Federation. but um, The United you know. Federation of Planets. I'm if, a little jealous, man. How did you get that? If things don't, well, it, it, you get it when you when you sign up. You know, they kind of approach you like you don't you don't get it. You don't go get it. Like, <laughs> like once you get the they approach you. I, I think once we started getting more listeners, they saw an avenue to to get out there and um, yeah, they promote they section thirty one. They did, yeah. Well, just you know, there there might be uh, some information that they need to disseminate at some point, so. So yeah, if I have to take over, I'll I'll give you the nod. Okay, but, uh, I understand. Yeah, I'm going to relinquish control. Back I don't want to get phasered in the back or anything. 
<laughs> That's yeah. super cool, man. I'm not gonna lie, I'm jealous. <laughs> little the, insi- the Star Trek insignia from Section Thirty One. You can find a picture of that on Google, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And any Star Trek fans out there are gonna be probably jealous, just like myself. Yeah. Man, so I, let's let's do this. I want to set a scene. I want to set a scene here. Mm-hmm. It's 1878. You're likely in a nice little suburb of London. Let me pull mm. this up here. Feels nice. Did I say 1978? I meant to say 1878, in case I messed that it's up. It's eight- the Yorkshire pudding or something, probably. Yeah, you're, it's 1878. A little bit of you're, gravy. Uh, you're in your study, and you're feeling like, gosh, I could use a little, a little smoke. You pull out your pipe, and you look for your pouch of tobacco, but it isn't there. Your pouch isn't there and you start to feel like something isn't going proper. It isn't right. And then you notice that it's about 1115 and no one has brought you your tea and your crumpets. They call that 11Zs. 11Zs, (laughs) correct. (laughs) And then basically from there, everything is falling apart. So you decide to get up and you go outside and you notice that rugs are unkept, things are not tidied, and there's nobody to be found. What do you do from there? Mm. You've got to investigate further. Where is everyone? Right. Good Lord, where's my tea? (laughs) And and why is it 1878? (laughs) (laughs) And where's my pouch? (laughs) And is it really tobacco in there? (laughs) (laughs) Negatory ghostwriter. So this this here is, is kind of just a rough description of the very first, at least on record, according to what we found in some uh, Google research here, the very first survival game, and it is from 1878 by a group called Pickering's Gaming Emporium. And, uh, I mean, we're not going to dive too much into the history of the first survival games. I don't think really that's what we need to get into, but uh, it's still worthy of mention, I think, that the quote-unquote survival game experience was going on way before what I expected to find online. Yeah, I find it interesting, too, that that this isn't an actual on a video, like like it's not coming through a TV or anything. It's a game and it's kind of setting the precedent for, you know, kind of the the, some of the anxiety Oregon Trail type things that that come out later. And um, yeah, when I when I saw this included in, in the articles about survival games, it made me kind of examine that thought like, like, you know, do our roots go back to board games and uh, like Monopoly and, and the game of life? I remember playing as a kid and, you know, especially when I thought about like, like did, did you ever see or, or is it when you were really young, maybe a game called Life? Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. But but do you think this was a board game? I kind of got the vibe that this was like like you had to kind of do your own acting, if you will, like role-playing. It's a, like, it was a role-playing game of the 1800s. That's kind of the vibe I got, but I didn't think it, that maybe it was a board game. I don't know. It definitely, like, like it, it's almost like it's going into a new territory there, isn't it? Like, like you could imagine that, like, I remember my grandmother talking about some of the games they played as a kid, Mumbledy Peg and, and Jacks and, and things, and they typically involved some sort of... Um, dice or, or something it it, it it kind of um you know you had cards mm. and dice like, like like you're you're kind of going into a storytelling thing here and 
um, you know, sort of setting up a world that that has has several outcomes. I think like like a twist a plot type. Like I remember these twist a plot books came out when I was a kid, and like it, it actually had several endings. And so, you know, I I, I think you're kind of seeing the door open for survival games right there. You know, and I find that really interesting. Um, Gosh, that's that makes a lot of sense. And and now, you know, it's because when I saw this article. And going into the next uh, survival game uh, era, I saw both, and I was like, "Well, how how were these games actually played in the moment?" I was trying to visualize it. Uh, mm-hmm. That's why I was like, "Oh, let's set the scene here." But like now that you mentioned dice or something to that effect, like a uh, a device of sorts to bring uh, organization to the game, so that there's like a a path to follow, kind of like, or you know, you know where to go. <laughs> That makes sense. Maybe there was some dice involved or something like that. But, you know, I remember reading this and just trying to visualize in my brain, like, okay, I'm sitting there in a study, probably a nice home in London or something. Because this is a, I think this is a game from England, <clears throat> mm-hmm. I believe. I might be wrong. But anyways, you know, I'm just trying to visualize myself there. And I'm like, okay, I'm looking for my pouch. I can't find it. I could see how back then that would be a real issue. You know, where's yeah. my, where's my tobacco? Um, and then, you know, some, uh, whoever not bringing tea and crumpets, I guess, or 11 C's, 11 C's, uh, yeah. I could see that, but yeah, the, the dice or something like that would make a lot more sense. It's like, you know, how do, do you, how do, do you do it? Do you feel like there was a board involved or, or it was more like a sheet of paper that they're reading this, this scenario on? Like, no, I think it was no. role played. I think, I think that. I'm like so. There's a developer here. These guys are called the developers are called Pickering's Gaming Emporium. So, just and I'm completely speculating here. I think that you would, uh, if you were interested in participating in the survival game, you would go to these folks, and they would have like a, a house or something like that pre-set up, and they already know the outline of the game. All you know is that they offer this game. So you go, and they're like, okay. This is it. Uh, this is all you need to know. And then you go ahead and we'll get started and we'll get this game going. And you would go to them for the experience. Almost like today's escape rooms, right? Like if, if you, are you familiar with those? Escape rooms. What have you been yeah. up to, Tomahawk? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have a thing here in Nashville, I think, even. And it's like um, almost exactly like you described. Like, like you show up there with, say, a group of your friends. They lock you in this room and it's got a like a like maybe a desk and all sorts of things. And you have to look for clues, like to figure out how to escape the room. Like you have like 30 minutes or so, and there's tons of puzzles and like, there's all sorts of genres of it, like horror and, and, you know, different ways you can go about it. Like more of Sherlock Holmes type scene. And, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. yeah, I would Man. almost bet there in Cabo, they, they've, they've done that by now. Cause like it, it, I think it's kind of time consuming, but I think you could, um, you know, you know, it's a good way for to make money. Like people like to do it on vacation type thing. You know, you're there with your family and everybody goes. And uh, yeah, I could see some pretty cool like uh, Baja type themes that you could do. Um, that would be really interesting. Um, yeah. If it's not there, we should open it. Like, where's my pouch? Yeah. Donde esta mi? Donde donde esta mi bolsita? So okay. I'm uh, just looking here at our notes. After Where's My Pouch, and we'll, we'll just go through this quickly because uh, it looks like this, the game didn't do that, do that well for these folks at uh, 
Pickering's Gaming Emporium. Like it, it, it did okay, but it didn't really like skyrocket or anything like that. Uh, I'm reading from an article. I forgot to mention that we we kind of got most of this from a really good article. From it's a short and good article from 2017 um, from Survive This dot news. And uh, let me read this real quick. It says, and this is regarding uh, Where's My Pouch? The game, if not a little childish, did see some play and even spurred several copycats, such as Pantry Palava, I'm sure I had my pocket watch this morning, and Who's That Now? <laughs> <laughs> who's That Now? <laughs> uh, it says, however, none of these silly survival-style satires achieved major success, and the survival genre faded back into the ether. Yeah. What are your thoughts about that? Vibes. I got vibes of, of I, I think I've mentioned to you before in some of our first episode, the game Zork, like Zork 1, 2, and 3. Uh, I think it actually, in popular culture, it showed up in a Big Bang Theory episode at some point. I think it was one of Sheldon's favorites, and it was a game I played on the Commodore 64. But Man. You know, the beginning is kind of like you're in a, you have to read this text that says you're in a room, there's a mailbox here, um, there's a door, it's locked. Um, rudimentary. What do you do next? Yeah, the basics. And you, you've got to type in, like, you know, open mailbox, and it'll say there's a letter inside. And, like, ultimately you go through this chain of events that you've got to... There's a lot of role-playing involved. Like, you've got to use your imagination. And that's almost how I pictured this, Where where's my pouch? Like, I pictured it, like, kind of written on a piece of paper, like like, like maybe it had been run through an old-timey um, paper press-type mill type thing you know how they the first newspapers they made and uh yeah you had you know maybe almost like a dungeon master type person that was reading the thing that was kind of getting everybody into character and and whatnot but it didn't really say exactly yeah and 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 the way that it made it out like it was a single person like definitely fits more as exactly how you described it like like um the dungeon master role was kind of probably played by the administrators of the game at a at a yeah, at, at their place, you know, somewhere. That makes a lot of sense, and man, that would be fun. But why is my picture of the 1870s like everybody was gunfighting? Like, like you wouldn't have time to be playing games. Like, you'd either be oh you know, man over syphilis or something. Or oh, God, <laughs> Jeez. Oh, yeah, or have yeah, getting real Scurvy get, actually having shit. real tomahawks thrown at you or something. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was only what uh, I don't know about a decade after the. Civil War, but see this, these, I think it these games in were UK, in England yeah. though, man, but yeah, still not it, that England wasn't, you know, dealing with their own stuff in those times. Yeah. I think somewhere in my childish memory, it's like England's still like Kings and castles over there at that point or something. <laughs> like, like, well, they are still Kings and well, Queens and castles. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Uh, it's what, it would be awesome to really have that time machine that we could go and, um, go and see. And that's, Actually, why I showed you the Section Thirty One badge earlier? <laughs> like, Man, I, I do have a time machine, and I'd like you to get badge. in here. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna like, you're gonna beam gonna, over, and then I'm waiting for you to appear next to me. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna break the temporal accords. <laughs> 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 Screw the Prime Directive. No, <laughs> no, no. Um, God, I love that shit. I want to. I want to mention. I think we should, uh, you know, talk about what. Are survival games number one, um, and what makes a survival game? But before that, just just to knock out this like pre nineteen eighties, well pre Oregon Trail rather. I think that's an important one because the Oregon Trail game was 
huge, and we'll talk about that. But just to close up the pre, pre-Oregon Trail survival games and how, how they all started off, there was another weird one in 1901, it looks like. A guy decided to create a game. Oh, no, the, the developer was King Edward VII. And it looks like, I guess his, his, his mom, Queen Victoria, didn't particularly enjoy games uh, you know, of the humorous nature. So he, I guess his, it must have been severe because his whole idea was to like undo the harm. Uh, and again, mm-hmm. this is another scenario where I'm just trying to visualize this on a larger scale on what it all means. But basically, it looks like King Edward VII created a game called Well-Fed Alfred. Well-fed? Well-fed? Well-fed yeah. Alfred. Did you hear about that? I did. Like I'm picturing a big old room like straight out of game of thrones like like where there's a king sitting on a throne you got some jesters you know the guys with the funny hats with the bells on them and they're all <laughs> over there like trying to entertain him and like it doesn't work out and he like lops your head off and, like, it's like the next guy's like i gotta try something different <laughs> let's play a game <laughs> oh, man. well i guess yeah so king alfred created uh his majesty's entertainment no excuse me his majesty entertaining pursuits that was the name of his little development group yeah i feel like he's the first person that's like swiping left or right on people like when the <laughs> gestures like come out try to make him laugh doesn't work out he's like yeah, yeah. thumbs down <laughs> um <laughs> to the dungeon <laughs> it says uh, that his first game he took inspiration i think this is why it didn't do well his first game took inspiration from a cannibal called Alfred or Alfred Packer, an American who at the time was recently released from prison. I guess he was like a, a cannibal serial killer or something like that. And uh, Jeez. yeah, they based the story around his misdeeds in the mountains of Colorado. It says a well-fed Alfred aimed to test the length of time you and five companions could last during a hunt for treasured gold in the freezing wilderness of the Rocky Mountains. Your secondary challenge was to refrain from going mad and making fine meals out of your friends. As you might have guessed, people weren't too fond of the game's plot or its dark humor. Coming out of the article from Survive This. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You make a fine meal out of your friends. (laughs) Did you see that movie Alive when they did eat? They could crash that plane and they have to eat each other. I did. It was a long time ago, though. Lord of mercy. Yeah. Ugh. I think you start with the butt. I'm pretty sure. Like that's what they started with. <laughs> Going right into the ass. Oh, <laughs> sorry. A little bit of ass. Cheek. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're <laughs> cheek meat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just dive right in there. Um, mm. oof. So yeah, that game didn't do well, and then there was another little uh, sparkle of survival games in the 1950s. And man, I really looked for these. I wanted to see. Because they're pretty funny. The names here, you can read them off. Uh, I wanted to see what these games looked like or how they were played, but I really just couldn't find much, and I ended up giving up. But in the 1950s, it says there was a, a few Br- British big hits, such as Perchance Was That a Wolf, The Cotswolds, and my personal favorite here, Life Without Butter. <laughs> And these are survival <laughs> games, man. At least at the time, you know. It, it is interesting. You can like in the names, like you can see that they're they're hearkening back to "Where's My Pouch?" Like, like you know, perhaps is that a like, like that that sort of question there? Um, you, you feel that vibe, like like 
Mm-hmm. It, it kind of um, paved the way there, it seems like. Yeah, it does. And I think, it, you know, and I think we'll see here that per, per what we believe makes a survival game a survival game these days and, and uh, the elements of a survival game, you know, there's not a lot of those elements we'll see aren't really in these in these older versions of survival games, like Where's My Pouch and these newer, like Life Without Butter. Uh, in the United States, there were a few successful survival games there in the 1950s. One of them was called Flea Bison. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mark Twain inspired a game called Jelly Party, which I'm interested. I'm Jelly Party. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's the party just moving like jelly. Yeah, um, but I think the thing here that connects all of these survival games, all of them, all the way up to Ark and Rust, and uh, you know, Days Gone and etc., uh, is the anxiety factor. Mm-hmm. That that feeling of of uncertainty and. Uh, just anxiety all in all. I mean, like even with where's my pouch, you know, that they're, they're building on that anxiety right off the bat with, you know, the tobacco's missing. Nobody brought the 11 C's. Uh, things are all over the place and not where they're supposed to be. It, it builds that anxiety. Um, and that exa- that's kind of like a huge thing. It's a huge psychological thing. I think in all these survival games that keep us coming back. And do you think that's like, more like like to produce a, a game or the fact that they're sort of putting you in a role-playing situation that that mimics the conditions of real life that that causes you to have those same anxieties that that we all kind of have in our in our own real lives or is it a little bit of both maybe a little bit of both because they're building on things that we're familiar with at least with I'm I'm thinking of the where's my pouch like the player is familiar with having his pouch, his or her pouch, uh, his or her 11 C's, you know, the, you, you, your, your brain is like used to these things, expect like a comfort zone, a comfort sorts, zone, yeah. expecting them. And then, uh, now you're playing this game and knowingly or unknowingly, you know, these elements are tweaked, removed, modified. And it kind of just throws that like, wait a minute. It, yeah, it destroys that comfort perimeter or mm-hmm. whatever that the, what your brain is used to and you know throwing a munch a monkey wrench and all of that yeah so it, it just naturally like i think it just builds one form or another of anxiety <laughs> yeah. and, you know as we're laying the, the, out here were you like, not a little like, anxious when you saw that giga coming through your gates oh a ton and and <laughs> like, like, like fuck <laughs> we're getting I raided even think, yeah so much just in the 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 moment but but immediately my start my heart started beating a mile a minute when i i, I was i, I kind of walked out got on my dragon like kind of just getting ready for a normal day looking what's on him like hey let me put this meat over here in this trough like kind of thing and all of a sudden i hear boom oh boom. god i hate that yeah they're blowing, they're the blowing c4 and, and, and oh gosh. so i got on my dragon and i just sat there like and, and he didn't see me and i didn't move it like and i just sat and sat and kind of you know watched him come in and, and i thought like when he comes over here to this door i'm gonna light him up and like because i was right in front of the door and uh he he did and i don't know exactly what happened like for a second i thought maybe he's cheating but like when i hit the hot water on the the dragon it just didn't go 
Like, like I did, it didn't appear on the screen. Like it made that noise, but it didn't appear on the screen. And the only thing I can think of is I aimed too far left of him. And it just kind of like the rendering of the building that was there kind of absorbed that, that graphic or whatever. Maybe. But, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I, I, I kind of turned to go get him. Like it, like he starts running back for his lightning wyvern and he's got a big, like 300 level white lightning wyvern. And my, was it just my one tropical, dude? One dude. And, uh, like I, I kind of, as I'm flying around to get turned around to start shooting back at him, I get stuck on our gigas. Like I fly kind of behind them and, and I can't get out. Ah, like I'm stuck man. in there. Were they all over the place? Uh, no, they were, they were just sitting, you know, they were on passive or whatever, yeah, but they- I had, I tried to whistle, follow me, like to get him to move so I could get out of there. And that didn't work. And then I, then I did whistle, like, even though we clearly talked about not doing it, I did whistle aggressive for a second just to like get him to move so I could get out of there. And like, I did get out of there. But by that time, like while I was stuck in there, he got that giga out and man, he just like one shot at my tropical wyvern out from under me, like immediately, like I'm flying by him. Like I kind of come in to, to like wet him down and he one shots it. Like it must've been like super leveled up and yeah, like I it's literally a giga, land, I land on my feet. Like, like I'm flying forward and then I'm on my feet running like <laughs> and i just ran for it i was like there's no hope here like you know like what am i gonna do we didn't even have turrets set up so it was uh it was game over but yeah for a lot of frustrating uh role playing going on right there and and i kind of like i see that in these initial games for sure and yeah i, I just the anxiety I, I that's the only that thing it, anxiety yeah it kind of mimics real life for sure and and i i, I think like that, that real sense of loss and, and grief and fear, like all those emotions that you just can't drum that up in Pac-Man. You know I mean? No, <laughs> like you I can't. get excited you about losing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's because it's, those games are, gosh, how do you put it? There's, it's a different form of uh, anxiety. Like, and, and I think in most games you're, you're kind of, you're you're seeking an end there's an end and you know that it's there you know that mm-hmm. there's a final boss you know that there's a final level um you know that you're going to fail maybe the case like when i look at pac-man mm-hmm. you know i love that game but i know that eventually those little ghosts are going to get me so i mm-hmm. know that's going to happen with these survival games man and um i don't want to dive too too deep into arc because i know we're going to talk about that a lot uh and if if Fellow gamers, non-gamers out there, if you, you've probably already figured out that Ark is a survival game. And if you've heard our previous episodes, you've probably heard us mention it a few times. But, uh, oh gosh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> what was I saying? Tom, <laughs> help me out here. I just totally had a brain fart. Um, oh, yeah, um, shoot. Go just kind of talk, 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 talking about like the emotions that you go through with these survival games, oh, like in a, yes. in a, a real, that's it. Play, you, you know, the real life playing. You just saved me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, so with, with these games, you don't know what the end is going to be. You don't know. There's so much uncertainty and it builds so much anxiety. And like, even from going back to where's my pouch, it's that not knowing what's mm-hmm. up. You know, if, if you're playing a board game, you're probably going to know how it's going to end or you'll have an idea about how it ends. With where's my pouch? With uh, 
Free Bison, I suspect, with Oregon Trail, certainly, Survival Island, all these old games, and even the new ones like Rust, like Ark, man, especially Rust, holy tamale, we can get into Rust here in a little bit. (laughs) There's just no knowing. You don't know if you're going to do well, if you're not going to do well, you don't know if you're going to die minute one, if you're going to make it all the way to the end of, uh, you know, beginning game, mid game, end game. Obviously the idea is to get to end game in a lot of these scenarios, which is like when you're well advanced into the game and you've survived for a long time, you know, there's just all that uncertainty and that's not something that's, you know, that's unique to survival games. Hence the, hence the, hence the name, the genre. It feels like, like we're kind of filling out this definition of a survival game, like what makes a, a survival game here uh, to me, and I, and I think you're hitting dead on it. And, you know, in my, my analogy of Pac-Man, like pretty much, like, you know, I think my, my head went to the arcade, and like all I have at risk here is that few minutes that I'm on there and my quarter. Mm-hmm. But when I'm playing Ark, I have hundreds of hours that it took me to tame, you know, those things. I've raised these dinosaurs from a baby and i'm watching them die like yeah, yeah like, i mean no. like, there's a lot invested like there's you know your Stop feelings about us. it there's mickey's <laughs> feelings about it like like there's all those you know it's like i want to yeah gosh i didn't like think about I, that one of the i was uh when i was in mexico last hanging with our, our friend jack and uh he, he looked at me and he said we were talking about you know, that we didn't hang out with a lot of different people and stuff. And he said, yeah, I usually hang out with someone, and, you know, until they prove that they're an idiot. And then, <laughs> like, 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 so, uh, you know, it's like I don't want to be proven as an idiot. Like, you know, I want to be like a good team member, a good tribe member that, uh, you know, is solid and can be depended upon, uh, you know. So there's a lot at risk there. You know, there, there's... Yeah, no, I get it, man, and it, it's reputation, like, all that's out there. Yeah, yeah no, and it's, uh, it's, it's like, it's, it's the one, maybe it's game specific, but it feels like the one genre where, especially if it's, well, when it's multiplayer, and again, it may be game specific, but when it's multiplayer, it's like the one scenario where you can't just be like, well, it's just a game. It's like, ah, yeah, it is, but oh, it's different here, you know? Like, I, I just kind of, you know, whether in good or in bad, if you have tribe mates, like in a game like Ark or Rust, um, yeah, I never thought about that. Like, there's other other people's time have been, like, put into it, and, uh, you know, and, and if you yeah. go on a raid and you're successful, you're bringing... Um, you're bringing all that wealth into your tribe, into your into your game circle, and it's and it's mm-hmm. treasured. Uh, or when you build stuff together, it's treasured. But also when it fails, it's 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 a together thing. And it, yeah, it's psychological. Yeah. It's different because you can't like it's hard to just be like. I mean, it's true, but it's hard to just be like, ah, oh, don't worry, man. It's just a game. <laughs> and then behind you're like, God damn it! If you just fuck. Yeah. no, that doesn't. I mean. I think people say those words like like I know like like when I've screwed up you've said that to me oh man don't think twice about it but like I meant you know, it Tomahawk like, I do mean I, it I know I know I you do. do but like you know me well enough to know like I'm going to think more than twice about it like I'm going to think about it for the rest of my life like <laughs> <laughs> you're on your uh, you know your final moments there and your your girl comes up is there anything you need to say Tell Ovox, I did my best, but they blew the gates. <laughs> it was me. I was the one that whistled aggressively. 
I never told him, but we got insided. <laughs> well, I, I, I'd love to, like, maybe you walk the listeners through. Like, we ended up in a scenario there. Um, I think Mother's Day was last weekend, and, and uh, like, Mickey and I were both our other tribe mate were out of town, and, and you were there alone, oh, like, God. at the base, and it started getting raided. Like, I, I feel like, that, like, like that's happened to me, and, and it jacks you up. Like, like it jacked me up, like, like, cause I had so many different emotions. Like, like I think it, you know, obviously we'd made it clear we weren't going to be around, but there's a feeling of like, fuck, where is everybody? Like you want, yeah. you know, like, like a lot of your plans on what you would do have been based on the fact that you're going to have help or a tribe there to, you know, and you're there all alone. And yeah. Um, I mean, I think we should dive into that maybe a little bit after we uh, <laughs> yeah. cover a little bit more ground. Let's, let's finish up the... At least yeah, let's break yeah. down uh, some definitions, but I definitely want to jump into that. And uh, and for the record, if you and Mickey had been on, we would have won. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it Mother's so Day, bad. man. It was Mother's Day. No, it no worries. So bad. There, there needs to be like, like what I wished for in that moment was that. Like say if we were playing on the switch or something, like I'd have been able to whip that bad boy out, you know, and 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 like do something right <laughs> Happy there. Mother's My Day, mom, mom would have been on board. She would have been on board. I would have explained it to her. Get like him, she son. knows what we do. <laughs> She'd have been like, "This is going to take a second, mom." Like, hold on, get after it. <laughs> like, yeah, I was. You know, I, I think that that's coming. Like, like if if we were playing on PC, we could whip out Steam decks, or you know, or laptops. I guess even you know they're always available. But uh, yeah, I longed for. Um, you know, something other than carrying my PlayStation over to mom's house, you know, would have been a solution too, I guess. But well, hey, um, it's just a game. Don't give it a second thought. Just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I felt for you, man, and, and you know, I, I, I think, I, yeah, uh, yeah. It's all I good. Like to say we're going, we're not going to go too super deep in there, but, <laughs> but I know, I know the feeling and and um, and, and respect it. Um. So yeah, let's uh, let's make sure I'm not driving us too far off our outline. Yeah, no, here, I, like, I'm going to come at you uh, with a quick question, and that is, can I put you on the spot? Yeah, lay it on me. Oh boy, Chuck Tomahawk, what is a survival game? Boy, you've got me here. <laughs> I I, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You that can use that, cheat codes if you want. That, that I have like like you know a textbook definition in in my head like like I, I do have sort of a, a cheat code here, I think. But um, it, it's I really uh, I really like the uh, I mean just it's going to include some things like you're going to have an open world. There's going to be some crafting going on. There's going to be some base building type mechanic of sorts. Uh, you're going to have a character that you're going to have to manage. He's going to possibly be dealing with things like thirst and hunger. Um, yeah. I mean, those are definitely uh, elements of a survival game. I think it's uh, it's kind of hard to describe a survival game. And, and I, I may have mentioned this earlier. If I did, please, apologies, listeners. But uh, it seems like when I when we first came up with this topic, like let's talk about survival games and how they've evolved over time. It, like I, my brain automatically kind of focused in on or got very close minded around open world multiplayer. You know, I was basically thinking Ark, Rust, uh, Valheim. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. that's what my brain automatically went to. When in reality, it's not necessarily an open world. It's not necessarily multiplayer. It's not you know these. 
I mean, if we really break it down to the basics, survival is just surviving. I mean, but at the same time, it's kind of hard to use that as as a definition. You know, oh, well, your character, your player, your your little figure has to survive. Okay, well, you know, then all games are survival games almost. But <clears throat> I didn't, you know, I didn't really like realize just how much broader this topic is. Yeah, I. I have to say the Oregon Trail, like if I could, you know, kind of take us out there for a sec. Let's go there. Absolutely. You know, I remember being in probably around fifth grade and we had a computer class, one of the first computer classes I think that ever existed, you know, in in your basic grade school type situation. And I didn't necessarily, because there wasn't exactly like a character there that, that, I was managing in an open world, like as you described, I saw it more as a game, like like those mini games, like shooting the deer that ran across. And, and you know, I know there were, were decisions that had to be made that, that definitely were about our survival and making it across, you know, the country on the Oregon Trail. But I, I, I don't know that until they sort of framed it like this for us that... I thought of that exactly, but I see it, you know, I see why it was a groundbreaker. Um, I think it hit some kind of sweet spot that it, I think the education system recognized that it taught life lessons. And so, so they, they embraced it. That's why we were playing it at school. Like they didn't let us play other games at school. Like you weren't playing Pac-Man at school, like, or anything like that. So, um, and did you get that original the original 1971 version that was basically text command, I think, or did you play that later version that came out on the Apple II system in schools? Like they, they, they did a, I guess Apple did a port so that you could play it on the computers that they had. And then they also brought some graphics and sounds to it. So, so let me do some, some quick math here. I, I would have been about 10, so I'm probably looking more like 1981, 80 or so. So, so, yeah, I, I don't know that I saw the absolute first version. It was text. But when I say you shot a deer, they had literally taken text characters and drawn a deer with it. Like like if you literally just got on a piece of paper and word and used X's to draw the best deer you could possibly draw. Like, like yeah. the X's were, were your drawing board of sorts. I think that was and, one of the first versions, Chuck. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty early, but it did have like, like a deer came across the screen and you had to, you had to push the button and we would play this as a class dude with like 20 people. Like, so, you know, it's like one person got to push the, the, the button when, when the shot, like mm-hmm. somebody else got to type when it was time to, you know, we were all sharing this experience like in a row, sort of like you, you, you got your shot, you know, and if you missed the deer, we were on your ass. Like, we're like, man, we need that food. Yeah. We're going to die of cholera. Like, <laughs> okay. They, they had that in there? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, you know, I, I got to play that as well. And I was, and it was a, gosh, that's a great nostalgic memory. Uh, it's, that's exactly why we started this podcast, man. Like, I have great memories of playing the Oregon Trail on uh, the old Apple II. Um, and yes. this must have been, gosh, it must have been around 1995, 96, maybe 1997, in that time frame there. Maybe mm-hmm. even a little bit before, because mm-hmm. I did do a couple of years of school in, in, in the U.S. before moving to Mexico when I was oh, real okay. small. So, yeah, I got to play that too, but I definitely played, like, the the latest version of that time, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it was on one of the Apple computers that the school had. Yeah. 
I could see it being especially popular in Oregon uh, with the name and all. Oh, yeah, that. I didn't even think about that part. <laughs> <laughs> Southern have Oregon. you ever been, like, fun fact, have you ever been anywhere in Oregon, like, where you can still see the Oregon, the actual Oregon Trail? I have not been to anywhere where you can see it, at least not that I remember, to my knowledge. They're outside of Legrand once. Uh, like, so I was I was there with the Forest Service, and some of the local folks there took us and, and let us see. Like, you can still see the ruts. Like where the wagons came through, like, like all over Oregon, like different places. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was like, like you're looking at it, like, damn, like that's history right there. It's like I played this on Apple II. So um, there's a really good definition, I think, that kind of just comprises everything. I'm gonna read it real quick. It's from Wiki, you know, with good old Wikipedia. It says survival games are a subgenre of action video games usually set in a hostile, intense, open-world environment. Players generally begin with minimal equipment and are required to survive as long as possible by crafting tools, weapons, shelter, and collecting resources. Many survival games are based on randomly or procedurally generated, persistent environments. More recently, survival games are often playable online, allowing players to interact in a single world. Survival games are generally open-ended, with no set goals, and often closely related to the survival horror, horror genre, sorry, where the player must survive within a supernatural setting, such as a zombie apocalypse. The last part isn't really our, our jive, but that's a, I really like this definition of survival games. It kind of comprises everything. It mentions the things that we were talking about earlier. Um, open-ended, no set goals, persistent environments, randomly or procedurally generated. So we got a game like Ark, which is randomly, and then a game like No Man's Sky, which is procedurally generated. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's even, there's much older games that were procedurally, procedurally generated. We'll, we'll touch on one of the first ones. We got it here in the outline. But... Uh, so are you taking that to mean like, like if it's not procedurally generated, like someone literally places each blade of grass and tree and everything, and if it is procedurally generated, there's sort of an algorithm that says, like, in this part of the map, spread the terrain this way, oh, and, and that kind of man. figures that out. Uh, Gosh, that's that's a good point. And, you know, I'm certainly not a game developer, designer in any by any means, and I'm not very, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I don't know. I look at a game like... Uh, like arc and the maps are set and the resources that spawn are set they're that 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 tree that you harvest when you spawn in on the island it's going to spawn there again it'll come back right there so i don't think it's procedurally generated because or maybe it is maybe i don't understand what procedurally technically means but i know that for example if you look at a game like uh like rust uh, it's a little bit different. It's the same map always, but it 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 reorganizes itself completely randomly, uh, depending does, yeah. after the after the wipes. So, and the uh, yeah, the points of interest change the, change location. They change though. locations, resources. It, it all like just you know, like huevos revueltos. You know what I'm saying? Like scrambled <laughs> eggs. <laughs> they just randomly. Yeah. So I don't technically know the answer to that, but I can. Um, as a player and the user experience kind of see the differences. I just wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't be able to tell you which is which though, to be honest. I know that no man's sky is procedurally generated because 
uh, Fist Pump, a.k.a. Pepe Tortilla, is always talking about No Man's Sky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he loves that game. Yeah. yeah. I, I gave it a little shot. I, I haven't got super deep in it, but I almost took this, like, like you say, to mean, like, like non-procedurally would be like like you placed it more. And at times, like, I feel like I feel that in arc. And the way I feel it is, like, you know, once we have, like, a flyer, we're, we're kind of usually getting around that way. But almost every time that I try to get somewhere by foot, like, there is a way. <laughs> and and it's almost like someone's had to play that game and not and not, not in a procedural way. Like, someone's had to move stuff and, like, kind of run up against a cliff and say, okay, there's no way to get up there. Like, I need to make a little trail. And, like, you know, I've found that if you look enough, like, you'll, you'll hit some dead ends here and there. But most of the time, like, just like, say, our base on Valgaro, there was a way to walk over to that obelisk. Like, I didn't believe it at first, but... You know, Mickey found that way, and like yeah, once you sort of little cave there, like, yeah, yeah, like like they've 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 factored that in. You know that, that you may have to approach that on foot. Um, you know, and I feel like that only comes from like someone literally playing it, and you know, kind of being like, okay, we've got to reduce the the slope on this this uh, rock cliff here. They're not; they'll never get up there. And you know, it it, um, it probably has to take a lot more time and care to do it that way. I almost sense like it's it's procedurally done, and then they go and 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 fine tune it from there because it would get a little maddening to place every you know blade of grass. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, man. You know. Well, those a lot of those maps are community community created. You know, they're created by players. Like at least that's my understanding. Like uh, mm-hmm. Crystal Ra- Isles, I think. Crystal Isles, Ragnarok. Mm. What are the other ones? I think center was community created. So yeah, and you're right. I mean, there's they design those maps. So that's why it's hard. I don't, I don't I don't think they're procedurally generated. Maybe even not randomly generated, but um you know, this the resources do respawn mm-hmm. so that you can keep crafting, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Well, yeah. What uh what makes a survival game? That's the next thing here on our good old list. I think we've talked about it a bunch. I think it depends. It's kind of an and-or situation. But if you're on a game that includes character management, which can be thirst, hunger, stamina, um, mood, etc., or you have an open world slash crafting, base building, resource management, a lot of games will take some or all of those items to create their survival game. So... Those are the basic elements, I think. And you have games where they take all of them to optimize the experience. I think if we look at mm-hmm. a game like Rust, which, uh, you know, I wanted to see which is the most popular right now, Rust or Ark, or if there's any other survival games that are uh, leading them. But <clears throat> I don't know. We'll have to check that out in a bit. But yeah. a game like Rust, for example, definitely has character management, definitely open mm-hmm. world, definitely crafting. Mm-hmm. Lady Colin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll have to table that for later. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, definitely has crafting, definitely has base building, and most certainly has resource management. I think Ark is the same. Plus dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and who doesn't want to have dinosaurs, right? It's like, what? I can craft stuff, PvP, and tame dinosaurs? Take my money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think we all, like, at some point played with dinosaurs as a kid, like, like in some place or another. Like, you had had a 
pet dinosaur, um, you know, or a little toy that, that involved it. So that, that, that's just almost there in everyone. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, so it's really like with this topic, we're, we're looking at a bunch of different games and I think Oregon trail was kind of like the one that set the real pace mm-hmm. and that brought in a bunch of certainly, I think management, the char- uh, character management, there's definitely hunger and stuff like that. Right. Chuck T you, you probably remember b- mm-hmm. better than I do. Yeah, I, I didn't, didn't, I never played Survival Island like, 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 or, or any of, of these. I, I did, like, as we were kind of doing our research, I went, I kept seeing Robinson's Requiem come up, and I, 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 I wanted to go and watch some videos of actual gameplay of that. And boy, you got a lot of imagination you got to use there. It, it, uh, it, you know, the graphics weren't super strong, but, but a lot of those, mechanics as far as you know bringing up an inventory and and kind of going through it and and things were were there um well yeah it looks like robinson's requiem which was kind of like a inspiration for and and like a baseline for a lot of games that came out later rr robinson's requiem that's that came out in 1994 you know there was a lot of footwork way before that game came out but they really were kind of like the what it seems to be online that were the pioneers of crafting and inventory management. Mm-hmm. But um, if we go back to, like, we look at this game from, let's see here, I kind of want to go in, a, in the right order, but we have Survival Island from 1983. We have, which I think, gosh, was that the one? I think that was the one. I don't want to get him. Uh, no, it wasn't that one. That was Stranded. Stranded came out in 2003. We're going to talk about Stranded too, but we got Survival Island that came out on the Atari 2600. And then there 83, was. 1983, I think, yeah. 1983. Um, yeah. And then there was a game called Seven Cities of Gold, 1984. Survival Island had health management, I believe, but I'm looking at like old images. And you can find all these on Google, of course. Really cool, you know, vintage uh, images of, of old video games. But uh, there's a picture here of a game called Seven Cities of Gold. And they had, you know, you had to collect goods. You had to collect resources and uh, gold. And there was also, like, a food management. And it tells you, like, what your, your pace, like, what kind of a pace you're taking. You're taking a cautious pace or an aggressive pace. And then it just says here, like, it's based around, uh, you know, the expeditions to the, the New World back at, mm-hmm. by the Spanish Empire back in the 15th century. And it uh, looks pretty cool. You know, it's, it says down at the bottom, Sir, we discovered a Pueblo town. <laughs> <laughs> so that game, that game was definitely one of the first ones with, uh, in, uh, with character management and resource management. Um, another game came out called... Uh, what is it called? Excuse me. Heart of Africa. They were trying to build on the success of Seven Cities of Gold. Seven Cities did real well. And then um, I think the, the developers were Ozark Softscape of, of that game. They wanted to uh, come out with another one, but it didn't do as well. And then, yeah. Yeah. Any thoughts there? You know, I feel like I remember hearing of these games as a child and and... You know, really, until you sort of sold me on Ark, I think you maybe showed me a trailer at some point. We we were kind of hanging out, actually, in real life, and 
I think when I would hear these games, like say back in 83 or whatever, it didn't sound that appealing to me. Like, I think you had, you didn't have the, um, the sort of online experience with the, the other players was kind of missing. And I, and I don't really gather that these were two player games like that you played with your buddy when he was over either. So, you know, I think it might, in those days, my, my focus was a little more towards sports and I did do like pitfall and those kind of adventure games. But I think like, you know, this, it, yeah, it just, I get that totally. Yeah. As I was looking at them, I would think, you know, like, like I didn't see, see exactly the, the potential, um, but I do now, like, like it's like, you know, I, and it makes me really interested to, to want to go back. I, I like, like one theme I see here is like, like sort of that there's an interest in the story of Robinson Crusoe. And I think I even saw one place they had made an adjective out of his names, like a Robin Robinson esque type game or, <laughs> or something like, 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 you know, I, I don't know the, the complete origins of, of that story, but I think, you know, we all, saw the movie cast away with uh, Tom Hanks and, and like, like there's always been kind of a, a fascination with that life on a deserted Island, you know, what Surviving. would you do and how mm-hmm. would you survive? And then people ask those questions even today, if you were trapped on a deserted Island and you could only have one carb, like what would it be? You know, bread, rice or yep. pasta, you know, those kind of questions. It's that anxiety um, and uncertainty, man. Yeah. Coming back at it. Yeah, I think it's one of the things that that instinctively are, are like like I'd love to use this analogy of when folks are in prison, like even the hardest hardcore murderers, like one of the ways they they keep them in line in prison is threaten them with being put in I think what they call the shoe, like the you know the part where you're you're <laughs> yeah. you're off by yourself, you know, in an isolated like the mega situation. solitary, super mega yeah. solitary. <laughs> yeah, and like that breaks the hardest people. And like when I hear of jail, I think that'd be the first place I'd want to be. Like I wouldn't want to be like getting cornholed or something in there by my cellmate. Like if I had a choice, my what was it you like, said earlier? You, you start at the butt first. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm pretty sure they start at the butt first in there too. Like so, I, I, I you know I just have this picture of myself. Like like they come to check on me, and like I'm I've got like some Star Wars men or something, and I'm like. Pew, pew, like I'm just having the time of my life in there by myself. And like, I don't think that's how it goes at all. You should hand over that Star Trek insignia, man. You just mentioned in Star Wars like that. Why don't you hand over that uh, Star Trek insignia here for your brother? It's all part of the session. You hand it over to a real fan. It's a little diversion for you there. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Try not to say yeah or um too much. I'm trying to get better at that, listeners. I'm broken. Yeah, I want to do a drinking game every time I say it. <laughs> that or bad boy. <laughs> Get out of that Don Julio Setenta. Uh, so after after Heart of America in 1985, I think we got a real winner that came out here. I saw this game everywhere. I'm looking at the interface right now. You can find it, you know, of course, on, on Google. Mm-hmm. And there's pictures of it. And... Uh, it looks, it looks real heady. Like, like you gotta, you gotta. It needs to get its hooks in you. And we're talking about Unreal World, released in 1992 and still in development today. In fact, you can find this game on Steam. Just type in Unreal World, and you'll see the the latest version of it. Um, wow. Yeah, man. And if you look at the interface, it's 
you basically have a you have a top section that kind of tells you what the weather's looking like and there's and there are pictures here color pictures there's like a in this case there's like a sun and it's cloudy so it can tell you that the, that it's partly cloudy and then it shows you like a frontal view of what your character's looking like in a picture and there's it, it, there's like a forest so it tells you what kind of trees you're looking at and then on the in the right section it says it tells you what time of year it is it says later summer beginning of harvest month noon mm-hmm. and and then on the far far right panel you got your a picture of your character it says he's walking and has his name um, it says if he's injured, fatigue, starvation, blood loss. It has all these character management elements. Um, and it just, everywhere it tells you how fast you're walking. It tells you there's a, there's a text interaction area. And it just really looks like the first, first survival game that kind of started to take more from the elements that can create a survival game. Meaning they, they took it to the next level with this one. And it's mm-hmm. still in development. Um, I think if I remember reading it correctly, it's, they're kind of just putting you in a, in a, in a world, I think it's, uh, in Finland, an environment in Finland during the iron age. And I think you get to pick between being, oh gosh, you get to, you get to pick different, uh, you can be a fisherman, you can be a hermit, a trapper or a tradesman. I I would probably pick a trapper. Dead on. Right. Trapper a hundred percent. All day. Yeah. Yeah. I met a real trapper once, and he kind of scared the shit out of me, to be honest. <laughs> that was one tough dude. <laughs> I'm going to hang you up, boy. <laughs> uh, it's kind of a crazy story. Like, like I, 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 My dad and I had actually trapped a beaver that was kind of jacking up the dam at our farm, and, and uh, like I was telling this trapper about it, thinking I was going to win some points with me, and he was like, he started asking me how I skin it, and like we didn't skin it. Like, we just kind of chucked it like it was a nuisance beaver we weren't trapping it for its hide and like i thought he was going to skin me there for a second it it like he was like hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i know said, what you mean. like out of nowhere he was like giving you the evil eye way i figure i make about 30 cent an hour so if i found somebody that was in my traps i'd have to kill them okay trapper john oh. <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah, don't fuck with a trapper. As no, soon I as I saw those that list, I was like, definitely be a trapper. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like I, I, I this game brought a lot of survival elements. I think it brought more than the previous. It's in its open worldly wilderness. Players have free reign to wander, hunt, skin, and structure shelters to survive the harsh reality that is Mother Nature in this game. And there's another image here where it looks like you can equip. Wow, you can equip armor as well, and it tells you the amount of protection it gives you. So that's that's cool. That's kind of like a precursor to the armor and stuff that we use in Rust, Ark, and other games. Yeah. You know, you get that flak, you get the riot armor, leather, hi, excuse me, hide. You know, in, in Rust, there's all sorts of different types of, of kits of armor that you can use from the base stuff up to, like, coffee can armor and stuff like that you can use biohazard suits and so yeah that it looks like this may be i might be wrong but this might be the first uh instance of that type of uh manageability the character yeah you you mentioned something earlier about the the 
sort of like you have to have this buy-in sort of moment. And I feel like that's the case with all of these. Like I kind of mentioned to you after I'd been away from art for a while there, like maybe you hadn't played in a year and a half or so. And like in the very beginning, I was like hyper aware that I was still like, I could almost see the 2d world still like, like, you know, kind of almost like if you use the holodeck type analogy, like I could almost sense that I was in a holodeck, like in a square room that had parameters, you know, that, that an engine of sorts that they had built this world in. This is, this and is once a, once that emotion gets involved. Tom Hawk's trying like, to redeem himself for mentioning Star Wars earlier. The, the holodeck <laughs> is a, is a place on the Star Trek, uh, Starship Enterprise from Star Trek where you can basically create any mm-hmm. image or scenario. Yeah, I see what you're doing mm-hmm. there, Tom Hawk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It ain't easy being part of Section Thirty One, but I, I, I do feel that buy-in moment, and and I think with all these, like, like, uh, like I mentioned when I went back and looked at Robinson's Requiem, like when you're watching a YouTube video of someone else playing, like you don't have that buy-in, so you kind of see how blocky things are and and all that. But once you're in there. And like you get that buy-in, like I think there's something that goes on in our brains. Like, like I've read about um, where our mind kind of only picks up on novel events, so it actually fills in the background, like through, like like I like say I'm sitting here in my office. I've sat in here a number of times, so my brain knows what the 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 window looks like and all that. So it's not focusing on that; it's focused on the screen. You know, right now where, you know, I've got your picture up here and things like like those are the novel events that are taking place. And I think after we've been in these worlds for a little bit, you're focused on, say, that dinosaur that you're taming or that food that you're looking for, or that armor. And, and your brain is filling in the background and it, it, it kind of fills it in as the world, like, yes. like in, a, in a way that, um, you know, is what makes these games like, like a, so popular. I think it. it it, it, it's that buy-in, you know, when it's uh, that, when it gets its hooks in you, as you, you kind of said, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> man. And it certainly does. Oh gosh. And next up in the milestones, you know, these we're mentioning these games cause, uh, they each kind of brought their own, they, they each produced kind of like a milestone, if you will, not, not all of them necessarily. And there's hundreds of survival games, but we're just kind of going through the main ones that made their mark and uh, brought new elements to the survival genre. So Unreal World is still in development. Another game came out on the Super Nintendo, SNES, back in 1993 called SOS, where basically you had to, and this was a bare-bones survival game. It didn't do that well. I looked at pictures and video online. Basically, you just had to escape from this sinking ship. But all you basically did was just run forward and jump. And um, it was kind of like a time thing. I think you had a certain amount of time to escape the ship before it would sink. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, that was it. I mean, that was like, you, the, there was, certainly wasn't any crafting. No, I don't think there was any inventory management. There wasn't any uh, character management beyond literally just making sure you got out of the boat. So that, that one didn't do amazingly well. And then the next year, 1994, you were just talking about it, Tomahawk. Mm-hmm. Robinson's Requiem, pioneer of crafting and inventory management. I have here written down. Uh, Is that? I'm, interested, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Like, I had to read. Look, like I'd heard. Like, I think there's a, a movie out there, maybe called Requiem for a Dream, but that's not a word that came up a whole lot in there in the old East Tennessee lexicon. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> my first one of my curiosities is what is the Spanish word for requiem? I think it's the same. Might Re- be the Re- same. Yeah. 
Because there's that movie. What, what was that movie you just mentioned? Uh, Requiem for a Dream. Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. Let me let me uh, use our cheat code here. Google. Whenever we mention using cheat codes, we're talking about googling stuff. Um, and when I looked it up, it kind of is like it goes with like say Catholic. There's a there's a certain Catholic mass like when you're kind of honoring the dead. And I think a requiem can kind of almost be seen as a um, ode to the dead of, of sorts, or or a, a homage to the past, honoring you know something from the past or, or something like that. Uh, it w- was kind of you know what I uh, what I took that definition you know or mm-hmm. what I remember about looking it up. Uh, like what do, what do you think of when you hear requiem? And, and I'm just curious why they chose that word here and. Um, Gosh, I'm going to sound like a total idiot because I have no, I, I, I actually, I have no actual idea what that word means. Um, what, what I, I can, I sure what I can, it. what I think it means based off of what I've, what I know, which is that movie, Wrecking for, for a Dream, Re, uh, Robinson's Requiem, is it, to me, it sounds like a person's, it, it sounds like a situation they're in, a scenario, burden they have it's something that one way that that they're dealing with they're in they're in the middle of and Mm -hmm. it has kind of like a a a a tone to it like a context to it of weight of something being like a weight it might not be a negative weight or a positive a positive weight usually it sounds negative like when if you've seen that movie reckon for a dream obviously that's a gnarly movie and it, it's you know not a not good stuff going on in there. So that's like yeah. that person's struggle, their their reality of the moment, and it's their their own personal requiem. But I might be completely wrong. I'm just kind of that's what I mm-hmm. think it sounds like. It's like you know in the case of this game, Robinson's requiem. Well, it's Robinson's journey. It's his his objective, the thing that he's dealing with right now in that moment, and it's his burden. Be it good or bad. I think you, you're hitting dead on it. Like, like kind of what what I would think of, and in, in I, I I tie this back to Robinson Crusoe, that story of Robinson Crusoe, kind of being trapped on on an, on a deserted island, and and how he he survived that. But one of the cool things that that I saw and I've experienced uh, in these survival games, and, and I think I've even mentioned to you in the past, is how everyone like like they kind of set this situation up for you. But everyone's journey is their own journey. Like I talked about the group of guys that, you know, they, they were describing the first time they played Ark and they prepared to climb this mountain to go get some metal so they could make some metal tools. And they had to climb the mountain and, you know, came back down. And that journey was theirs. Like it, it wasn't like that game just set out and said, okay, on day three, you've got to, you know, go get metal or whatever that was their choice like they could have mm-hmm. you know, been taming a parasaur or whatever but they chose that as their focus at that moment and and you know took that journey on their own and and i, I think that's one of the cool things about these games and and what i'm you know i'm starting to value about them is that it's kind of your own story you know i i, I think we we our tribe has its own story um yep you know, and you know where we're coming from and, and what we've been through and what we've lost and gained and took from other people. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot there. There's a lot. Um, my uh, my definition of requiem was completely wrong, by the way. Just <laughs> here between you and me, don't tell anyone else. You know, I, I, <laughs> but yeah. Like I said, it, yeah. it didn't come up a lot there at the old uh, 
Rogersville City School. (laughs) 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 What shall we do in this room? Nobody's nobody's saying requiem in in our small little pueblito here either. If I said that to, you know, like Litro or something, he'd be like, ¿Qué? But yeah, so that is listening out there somewhere. <laughs> Who Litro? Yeah, no, man. I, I don't know. Yeah, he ain't listening to this. <laughs> I'll send it to him. <laughs> yeah. um, gosh, so that that really right there. That's that's our that's our survival game you know, uh, loadout up to 94. I don't think there was a whole bunch that made too many waves up until, well, you know, there was some games there like in the early 2000s, like Disaster Report, which was kind of like the potentially the first blend of action and adventure with survival. Mm -hmm. But I think if I remember correctly, that game, you were kind of like, you were in this like... Op- apocalyptic scenario where you had to like get you had to like travel through subways and stuff to get to a specific location and you had to manage your way through this whole disaster area to get to a specific location and you know I think I don't know too much about the game so I don't want to say anything that isn't accurate but I just remember it didn't do that amazingly well but a lot of people a lot of sources online pointed to it as being like the first kind of blend of those three well I guess two rather action adventure with survival I- yeah mm-hmm. and it it's it's almost like i see something developing here and 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 like to kind of do this thing where we we're tying in old things to from the past to now and then also maybe expand that into the future is like i can't help but feel like as we're as you see this progression like you kind of had stories that were out there and then you had um you know that turned into sort of a, a role playing game of of that, that didn't involve video screens, but once video screens came out, like you're sort of redeveloping this almost life simulation type thing, and and now we're starting to add more and more to that to make it more and more like like real life. And uh, I just wonder if in the future, if there's not going to you know when I hear people talk about what the metaverse might involve, if if mm-hmm. uh, you know, because things like like you, I, I'll see these news stories about someone got married in the metaverse, and like if you go back and look, someone got married in I think that game called Second Life, like twenty years ago. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I mean, there are yeah, things I heard that, about that, that are in video games that that we've been in these open world games, like we've been doing them for twenty years. That they're they're talking about is like the new potential of the the metaverse, like these online economies and things. Like they already exist in video games and have for years. Um, you know, so I think like we're, we're kind of laying that groundwork and, um, you know, ultimately like as you add virtual reality to, to the mix and, and, uh, those headsets and things like it's just getting more and more real, man, it's going to be nuts. You'll see one of these days we keep this going we'll be talking about survival games in VR on one of these future episodes. Oh, I think so. Keep an eye out for that one, folks. One, one of the questions like as, as we're going through this and you see these elements coming out, like you know, and now you've got character management with health and, and water. And, and we've, we've almost always had health in a lot of ways. Like, 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 you know, some of it, like you didn't just die when you got hit once, like you had to get hit a few times, but now as you're having to manage your water and your food and, um, 
you know, we talked about sort of the sense of loss that, that has came, you know, I know I'm jumping ahead in our list of games here, but as, as you see this developing, like, what do you feel like is missing? Like why, you you know, obviously there's more at stake in real life. Like if I, if ah, I, that's it. See, yeah. I already, I already had an answer for you, Tomahawk. <laughs> and then, and then you just kind of answered it in a way. And that yeah. is suspenseful moment. That is that anxiety thing. And I'm tying it back around what, and I know that's not missing because that's been existing, but I think they amplify it by the element of you or your character dying and losing mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. That's the element that I think, and I don't know if it's, it's missing necessarily because I think Unreal World has that. And I'm not sure if Robinson's Requiem does, but I do know that one thing I didn't mention earlier is that they were the first game known for where you could uh, amputate your own limbs. (laughs) To survive. To survive. (laughs) Through inventory management, like you'd pull out your knife, you know, out of your inventory, needle and thread. I think they were like medical kits, and you'd become the one-leg wonder. Your character, you know. If you couldn't manage the disease or whatever it was that caused the leg to need to be amputated i haven't played this game matter of fact i think a lot of these games that we haven't played and you know we won't talk about them too much what we haven't played except for what we investigated but according to this first one we could take off your own limbs arms dang you know ever since i heard theo vaughn tell that story about that guy that had no arms that choked out like 30 people in his town like (laughs) i'm 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 a little more okay what? with losing a limb, I feel like, because like, that's the route I'm going to go. Dude had zero arms and was choking people out, like, left and right. I don't know if it was the figure four or what the heck he was putting on him, but, like, yeah. He was, was this a, was, it, it, in jiu-jitsu? Because Theo Vaughn is a, I think he's like a third-stripe white belt. Well, apparently this guy was a four-stripe white belt. <laughs> He must have been just doing triangles left and right on people. Get over here. <laughs> he was like headbutting people and like getting them on the ground. And then like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, like, I mean, he said 30 people, zero <laughs> arms, 30 people. I love Theo Vaughn's <laughs> podcast, man. Gosh, that guy's hilarious. Yeah. So I, I, as far as one limb, like my left arm, I'd get rid of that in a heartbeat. I'd probably, I wouldn't, I might not even be that hungry. Like, and just <laughs> Save it for later. <laughs> yeah. God. Oh, man. Amputate your own limbs. So that was, uh, you know, another huge element of rec- uh, Robinson's rec- Requiem. Sorry, I'm kind of deviating from the mic here. Let me get closer. Yeah, I'm sucking my coffee. Konami had a couple of... <laughs> Konami dropped uh, in 1999 Survival Kids. I think that game did pretty well. And it was inspired by Robinson's Requiem. I don't know what the Konami code did in there. Yeah, that's a good question. Oh. You're in the middle of a survival kids right bust it out. Up, up, down, down, up, down. I I was about to try try saying it, but I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> we just did that episode too. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, now I feel like I have episode. to. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B A start. And if it Boom. and if it's two players, you add select, right? Select start, yeah. Damn. <laughs> Oh man, okay, so now now we're looking at Stranded 2003 and this was a big one. This was a big one, Tomahawk. 
You know why? Because it had dino. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Couldn't tame them, though. And I think it was only one level. But, uh, yeah, yeah, these were the first guys to really, like, like, hey, we should throw some dinosaurs in here. We know those kids love dinosaurs. And, and, so, and it also laid the groundwork for base building, huh? It did. It did. And, and you know, if you look at the images of the base building on, on this game, on, um, God, I'm having a brain fire, on Stranded, which was developed by Unreal Software, 2003, um, you're left shipwrecked and forced to complete missions to ensure your survival on the island. The first mission requires the construction of a shelter. In today's gaming world, we would refer to this as base building. So, yes, it was the precursor to base building. And, and like I was saying, if you look at the pictures, you can, you can totally see the similarity. You know, you can see it. The little ropes yeah. in, the, in the perimeter of the building. And I, I look at that and it's like, oh, yeah, that's definitely like, you know, all these games today were inspired by this for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you see the dinosaurs yeah, the in this building. game? Did you see the what they looked like? A little bit. Uh, yeah, they, they were a little um, undefined, I guess, like to some degree. <laughs> kind of look like the dinosaurs in Ark when your game hasn't rendered in all the way, and it's just like this big triangle. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> you put this TV in game mode. Yeah, exactly. There uh, we go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, like I say, it's that buy-in, though, man. I mean, it's like... You know, once once you kind of program your brain to say that's okay, that's what a dinosaur looks like, you know, I think eventually you buy in when you're into the game. Um, yep, you know. yep, that's it. That's what I was saying earlier. You just gets your, it gets the hooks in you, and that's it. Yeah. Um, I think it's fair to say, too, I, I can't speak for you, Tomahawk, but survival games is my favorite genre of video game. I didn't, I should, it's the- it's, I, I didn't even think about mentioning that at the top. It's my favorite. It it has to. I have to say, it is mine now. You know, as, as Ark has become my favorite game of all time, it, it it you know just naturally that they kind of follow each other. But as I mentioned earlier, when I heard of these games back in the day, it almost seemed too slow somehow, or or it's a slow burn. You know, I think in any even even you know the most exciting ones, um, it is a know, slow uh, burn, and there's. There's ways to speed the burn, you know, like you can go to private servers, boosted servers, um, unofficial servers, you know, and stuff like that on games like Ark and Rust. And then the, all the, all the stuff is modified so that you don't have to dump the hours into it. But mm-hmm. it kind of takes the magic out of it, in my opinion. Kind of takes the magic out of it. I, I have to agree. Yeah, I, it, I mean, it hurt less when you get raided because it didn't take all the time. You know, all the metal I, I runs and all the cementing paste and all the, you know, wood <laughs> and all that stuff. But yeah, I, I feel like as I look at this information as in a, in totality, I kind of see like, like I think as we get into the more here in a bit uh, about the psychology of, of how people behave in different uh, PV or PVP situations, like we're, we're going to see that, uh, that that level of um, sort sort of buy in and and also the the level of um, like like how hard the environment is on you I think dictates how how you act with the other players if the environment's extremely tough like you almost have to work together but if it's not 
like you kind of get that thrill that you're talking about by going up against someone else and you just can't replace it. I, I mean, I, I think there's, um, there's a story there. There's a, there's something they made us read in high school of, of uh, I think it's called the most dangerous game. Like where, where these guys that are into hunting, they eventually end up hunting human beings. And after they hunt human beings, they don't want to go back to shooting deer because them human beings are smart as shit compared to deer and like way much more of a challenge. And like, so, you know, when I'm trying to go up against that dino, that's, that's literally just an AI computer program. It really don't compare as if like you're behind the controls and, you know, I, I've got to deal with you. Um, Cause you can get me so many different ways. I don't know if you saw like, uh, when our base got raided before, I'm pretty sure like, I guess later on I found out it was Mickey's, but I thought they left us a like level 45, uh, fire wyvern egg, like right where our, uh, egg incubator used to be. Oh man, like, that would have been so mean. <laughs> <laughs> level 45. You see that's how? trash. Yeah, well, keep this. But if you were up there on that platform, you sure shit would have got that thing and went and like Hatched cooked it. it. Yeah, because like, yeah, it was all you had. Oh. Like it was either going to jump off there with nothing, or, or you know, like like you would have custom for a minute. Like like I thought, God, that was like the hottest, just the burn of all time. Like that makes me madder than losing the Quetzal. Like. Oh, I gotta mention that, dude. Like, Dang. like it took me about two days to let that hit me that Mayrod was gone. Like, <laughs> as frustrating as he was to tame, like when that 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 well, didn't really hit me at first, and like when it did, I was like, man, I loved that bird. Well, for what it's worth, but, like they didn't get any of that stuff because we, you know, that's that, that's it, why yeah. we left it out. Because if it yeah. all been in cryopods, it all be it all be in theirs now. Yeah, and and what I'm getting, you know, I'm going too far into the the details of that, but but just just that psychological thing, like like for that second that I thought these fuckers that took all our stuff, they also <laughs> like you know had to leave this here, you know, like assholes. <laughs> then I picked it up, you know, and I was like <laughs> putting up torches. <laughs> if you had to call them out one thing in Spanish, what would it have been? Ah, uh, fucking alaverga. I think I would say just. <laughs> Pinches culeros. Chinga su madre. You tell him, Tom. Yeah, man. Hey, hey, you know. I know, man. I know that feeling. That's that's why I was like, oh, we're totally going down a rabbit hole with Ark, per usual. It's all right. This, hey, this is our survival episode. Um, but it is like that person behind it, you know, like it's where it ties into what we're talking There's another about, human you know? there. Yeah. 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 And there ain't nothing like it, dude. Like, like you know, I, I love hunting and, you know, go with my cousin Dave. We'll go duck hunting and everything. But, man, if we went out there and hunted real people, like, like even with paintball guns or something, like, it, it's 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 way different. Like, you know, no no disrespect to the animals or anything like that. But people are, people do crazy things, man. People. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's got to, there's got to be some cerebral liquids in there moving around that hap like that when you play a survival game especially one of these newer ones that those liquids and chemicals in your brain start moving around as if like you describe you were actually out there like surviving against other people that are in control yeah. and you know pretty sure there's a star trek enterprise episode about something like that where captain archer and his crew beam down to this planet and there's like a bunch of hunters and they're like their whole thing is like hunting this sentient being 
And Archer's like, hell with that. You're not hunting anymore. Because, you know, <laughs> yeah. he, needs to, he puts it, a stop to it. I, I, I do feel like that goes back to most dangerous game. And, and I want to say, like, have you ever been exposed to sort of how that there's basically like 34 stories, 34 tropes, as they call them, that, that exist in all literature, like all of Shakespeare's plays? Every There's only basically 34 different stories that, that we tell as human beings. Oh, that's and, fascinating. Um, I didn't know that. But I kind of I kind of like get what you're getting at here. Yeah, and I feel like this stranded on a desert island is one of them. Like you see it in a ton of, you know, like I say, the Castaway movie, like Gilligan's Island back in the day as a kid, like a sitcom that I watched, and like like it, yep. it, it's it's one of the tropes, like like in, uh, um, you know, and I think video games like pull from this. Like we saw how it, like you know we even came from the eighteen seventies, like like you know I think there was kind of a, a story there that that kind of got introduced to that and. Uh, so, um, so yeah, I, I think that this is just kind of that, that survival is one of those stories, one of those, you know, kind of, yeah. kind of back themes. And then maybe another that, one of them, sorry for totally jumping no, in like that, ahead. but adding in that there's another human after me factor into the trope yeah. vice and, and us yeah. after them. Yeah. If you're in this case, if you're a Peter yeah. beer, if you're into that, you know, you're going after them too. Yeah. Like I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna get into that base and I'm gonna take all their stuff. And there's a huge satisfaction there, you know, it's like God, but and when it Yeah, so is it's almost like as soon as you had it on stranded here, you had the first base built. Like it seems like you opened the door for the first raid. Um, you know, or the first taking away of that base. Um or that feeling of 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 investment into this virtual reality you know not obviously not i'm not something talking about vr lose. but there's like into this game world of something to lose yeah. something to lose that you and, and you, you see how like when we're watching star trek like when you know i mentioned the other day like, like we all laugh about when we see that guy with the red shirt on that we haven't been introduced yet you know he's going to be dead in a few minutes <laughs> like when he, he gets selected to randomly like, go on oh, the away yeah, team he's on the like, away team going down to the planet surface he's out <laughs> yeah we just had that heartfelt moment where they try to get us invested in him just a little bit like i think that that's why yeah. like like because <laughs> like, you know it's like we have a ton invested in spock like when we're watching that like so we know he ain't gonna die like, like i mean yeah it seems like he's died a hundred yeah, times and a wrath like, con <laughs> he'll be back he'll be back <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're sending so, this new guy down to the surface what color is his shirt it's red oh yeah he's he's, he's gone dead. Like, why do you say that? <laughs> Trust me, <laughs> he's just dead. R.I.P. Yep, yep, yeah. And, and I think, like, as as you start this game, like, like you know, five minutes into arc, you don't have anything invested in that character. Like, it, the game could turn off, and you wouldn't give a crap. But like, after you've got him up to level hundred, after you know, thirty days of building on that, like, you've got a ton invested. You've got a a large backstory. Mm -hmm. You know that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, by that time, you've already run caves collected artifacts <laughs> you know you got you're yeah. probably got a metal base up with turrets at that point you certainly have got a few tames which are dinosaurs um yeah you're in at that point you're like you're getting skin in the game man gosh and, and, yeah. yeah so god so much to talk about here so much uh emotion in this where are we We're, we covered Robin's Requiem, we covered Disaster Report, we covered Stranded 2003. There was another game that came out in 2003 that's still in development today called uh, Worm Online, W-U-R-M. Very weird name, but it's actually a medieval game. I looked at it. 
And yeah. don't want to touch on this one too much because I really just have no idea about it. So I don't know a lot either, um, but I am interested to talk about the next one on the list. I bet I'm you are. Before we do that, though, <laughs> this has been part one of episode three on survival games. Tune in soon for part two. And thanks for listening.